This is a Federal News Network podcast. The Defense Information Systems Agency inked a $106 million contract last week to create an artificial intelligence joint common foundation. If you're wondering what that is and what it means for the future of warfare, well, you're not alone. AI is still an amorphous animal within the Defense Department. Open the pod bay doors, Hal. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. What are you talking about, Hal? This mission is too important for me to allow you to jeopardize it. I don't know what you're talking about, Hal. I know that you and Frank were planning to disconnect me. And I'm afraid that's something I cannot allow to happen. This 50-year-old scenario might just be coming closer. Federal News Network Scott Mascioni joins me with what he has learned. Scott, uh, I guess maybe Hal isn't quite with us yet, but who knows, for Space Force, anything's possible. What is the common foundation that DISA inked a contract for? Right, well, hopefully the HAL 9000 won't happen because it'll be trapped within what they call this common foundation. And what it is, is um, you got to think of AI since it can learn. It's really an animal that sort of uh, can run off like a tornado and become its own thing, much like the HAL 9000. But in this scenario, what this common environment does is kind of keeps it isolated within one uh, just sort of sandbox is what they call it. And that way, the cyber warriors, the coders, they can play around with these AI situations, let them kind of go off and do their own thing and stay within the parameters of this system, this little fenced in cage uh, that they've created for it. Now, it only doesn't uh, help with letting AI take off into its own world, but it also keeps uh, it available so that they can test lots of different things on it. They can test it for security before they put it out there into the world and find out, uh oh, we made a mistake. And now it's, you know, putting twos instead of ones where it should have. And, uh, you know, we have this whole sort of situation that's taking off in its own direction. Artificial intelligence can have many, many, many applications, some of them pretty mundane. So is DISA envisioning this for something that might help people get their way through the DFAR, the Federal Acquisition Regulation, for some sort of system to speed up procurement? Or are they looking at it for warfare? And in the case of warfare, what do they think AI can do? Yeah, well, one of the really exciting things about this is it's going to belong to the Joint Artificial Intelligence Center, which is what's sort of leading the whole push within the Defense Department for AI. So they are looking at defensive uh, operations for this, offensive type situations for it, and then also those simple things that you were talking about, like, let's say, saving gas on uh, taxiing airplanes, things like that. So, uh, you know, why this is so exciting is that it creates just an area for these AI specialists to just kind of play around and not have to worry about this going in and messing anything up. So uh, this is something that that the, the Joint Artificial Intelligence Center has said that they've needed in order to thrive and survive and really make AI part of the Defense Department and infiltrate and permeate into all the different divisions of it like they want it to in the future. Because I think sometimes AI gets associated with autonomy. And when it comes to autonomy in weapon systems, that is the decision to fire or not fire autonomously, say, can a robot kill somebody or can it just kill another robot? That type of question. That's a big worry for DOD because they may not be able to audit that decision afterwards. It may make a mistake and cause some kind of a friendly fire situation. So I think there's a lot of caution in general, they have about applying AI, especially for autonomous systems that they might be deploying. 
it's a huge worry. And it's something as a journalist that every time there's some sort of briefing at the Pentagon on AI, it's a question that that always tends to come up. What the Defense Department wants to do really is a little bit scary. What they want to do is take the kill chain and make it as small as possible so that it goes straight from a sensor, like something, a camera maybe picking up a possible enemy on an airplane, and bringing it all the way down to the soldier who only has to pull the trigger. You know, in between, in the old days, there were a lot of different things that would go in between. Maybe the pilot, you know, deciding if that's actually an enemy or just a rock, then sending that maybe down to a commander, and then who maybe sends it to the guys out in the field. Well, this would just cut that chain a lot smaller and make warfare really something that happens in milliseconds, something that, uh, you know, human brains can't really fathom. So this is something that the Joint Artificial Intelligence Center is taking very seriously, and they've built that ethics into sort of their mission and strategy model to try and ensure that there's always a human in the loop and also that they're doing things ethically throughout the way. Now, that always hasn't uh, panned out the way they want it to. We've seen walkouts from Google and other, uh, you know, tech industries who just really don't feel morally like using AI in warfare is the thing that the United States should be doing. Right. They would rather steal all of our privacy information and send us sluice ways of information and (laughs) sell our data in ways we don't want it to be sold. But otherwise, they're fine with, I guess, the ethics there. Sorry for the little editorializing. We're speaking with Federal News Network's Scott Massioni. And you've touched on this a little bit already. What is the state of artificial intelligence in the military? How widely is it deployed and do any of the armed services actually use it in any in any kind of uh, operational situation? Yeah, the way I like to think about AI within the military is it's sort of a it's more of a buzzword than it is an actual word. So they say it a lot and they try to, you know, quote unquote use it a lot, but it's not really necessarily out there. They're using it in the sense that maybe you use AI in your everyday life. You ask Siri a few questions. Um, you know, there's there's some fun things that you can do, but there's nothing really meaty that's in it yet. Uh, but that's the, the whole point is to get there. You have to go through those early stages before you can get there. They have Project Mayhem, which is something that they've been working on forever through the Air Force, and that's a way of impl- uh, implementing AI. Like I said before, they've been using it for a lot of cost-cutting and a lot of uh, business management-type measures, way to save money and things like that. But I think it's going to be quite a while before we actually see it uh, in substantial warfare-type situations. On the other hand, the Joint Artificial Intelligence Center has said that they would like to start implementing AI in some way in warfare within the next year. How they're going to do that, they haven't really said uh, you know, with too much certainty, and obviously they want to keep things fairly classified. So uh, you know, we'll have to see how that pans out. But uh, you know, right now, I would say it's sort of uh, one of those things you hear a lot more about than actually see. Well, a couple of issues here. One, I think they are afraid that maybe China and Russia are racing ahead on this front. We know China is and right. probably taking, who knows, they're probably stealing Google's intellectual property even as we speak to use it to deploy. And so there is something of an arms race in artificial intelligence. And the other issue is they have committed to it now several years ago. They've been talking about it and setting up this joint office for artificial intelligence. So they've got a kind of put their money where their mouth is at some point. So maybe this is what they're doing now. And what's their vision, do you think, Scott, for how the learnings that happen in this joint office could then permeate through the armed services and other parts of DOD? Well, as you mentioned, they've really committed to this. And one of the things that they've committed to is this Joint Artificial Intelligence Center. And that center has gotten a lot of pushback from the GAO, from a bunch of different other organizations, really saying that the organizational structure for Jake isn't 
what it needs to be. Now, they said that they've kind of worked on this and they're trying to help permeate throughout the, the different components of DOD and the different services. Uh, but, you know, they also brought up something interesting, the current acting, acting director, which is that there's no department of uh, electricity or a department of Internet within the uh, Defense Department. And that's sort of how they're thinking about AI. It's not like you need to kind of single this thing out and say, oh my God, you know, this is, you know, what it is, what they want it is just to be part of what what the everyday life is. So they're just finding a way to kind of just slowly bring this in and just make it part of everyone's life, the way that they work in, in everyday ways. And then that will eventually turn into the way we think of electricity. You just flip a switch and you don't even think about it. In other words, they want the ideas for how to apply or where to apply artificial intelligence to come organically from the different missions and different service areas as opposed to something you can get off the shelf from a central office, which doesn't really make sense because every situation has different algorithms, different data sets, and so on. So is this a best practices for learning about AI, this joint office mainly? Well, it, it has best practices, and they're definitely trying to work that way. And like I said, you know, with the ethics, everything they're building in to, to the way that they're doing this. But the other part of it is that I think this is sort of like almost like a rapid capabilities office. They don't want it to have the big bureaucracy, but to, they want it to be able to be agile and also to pair easily with things like, you know, Silicon Valley and other high tech companies. So, you know, that's that's sort of what makes this a little different than, you know, as we said, a full-blown agency or, you know, department within the Department of Defense. All right. And uh, let's talk more about this contract, $106 million coming from DISA. What is it? What does it buy and who is it buying it from? Right. So it's it's for the creation and maintenance of this whole artificial artificial intelligence joint common foundation. It's going to be run by Deloitte Consulting, and it's a systems engineering technology and innovation prime integrator task force. So that's a handful of words there that probably don't mean much, but basically... Well, no, wait a minute, though. Prime integrator task force means that there's going to be a lot of subs, and this would be then presumably the smart, agile companies that may not have been doing business already with DOD. That's exactly right. So what they're trying to do is just really be the point man on this. And they're going to bring in a lot of different smart companies in order to do this. And, and you know, Deloitte is a, a, a federal contractor that has worked with many different federal, uh, you know, projects. And so th- they know the market, they know how to bring in people for this. Another thing about this $106 million contract is that there's follow-on awards for the next three years after that for $31 million each so that they can continue working on this. So what you might want to expect from this is that they're going to be sending out a lot of sort of uh, solicitations for these smaller companies for, uh, you know, AI for Silicon Valley type companies to come in and show them how to do it. And then Deloitte is really going to be the, the, the maestro throughout this whole thing, the conductor of the orchestra. Was this a competitive procurement or was it an other transaction authority deal? So as far as we know, this was one of those more competitive uh, procurements. And that's because I think it's it's the Deloitte sort of situation. You know, they're going to be leading the whole thing. The way they do it farther down in the tiers, we don't really know yet. But there's a, a good possibility that they might use some of these, uh, you know, mid-tier acquisition situations or OTAs to bring on these companies faster and to, to keep them just from getting bogged down by the procurement process. Federal News Network, Scott Mossioni. Thanks so much. Thank you. Check out his article at federalnewsnetwork.com. Whether in-person or remote, open communication with your doctor is key to managing any condition, including heart failure. How have you been feeling? Um, I'm okay. 
Both are great options to continue having open conversations with your doctor about how you're feeling. I've had less energy. And when you speak openly with your doctor, they're better equipped to help. Visit heartfailuretalks.com to learn more. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast1 to learn more and start your free trial.